0: Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings you're listening to purple and gold for days a vikings first in skull production what is going on everybody it is great to have you with me the minnesota vikings lose to the chicago bears on monday night football 12 to 10 in one of the most gutless pathetic performances offensively in particular that we have seen in a while and boy what a snooze fest i feel sorry I honestly do feel sorry for the people that actually paid money to go to that stadium because the Vikings owe us a refund. We'll break down this game going into the bye week and what we got to look forward to. If there is such a thing. But before we do that, if you're not already subscribed to Vikings First and Skull and Purple and Gold for days on the YouTube page, the links are in the description. So come on out and give us a subscription and help us grow this Vikings community as we get down to the nitty gritty with the remaining five games of the 2023 season. Where to start with this game? I don't even know. The defense was on the field for about 10 minutes on that first drive, and they managed to get out of dodge. And then the offense goes three and out. And then the defense gets back on the field, manages to get out of there with just a field goal. So into the second quarter, we've run three plays for one minute. And defensively, you can't really ask for much more than what they did. Not only in that first half, but in the entire game. Yes, there were times where they could have gotten a couple of key third down stops. Giving up a first down after having second and 27 is inexcusable. But at the end of the day, they didn't get into the end zone on that drive, did they? No, they didn't. They didn't get into the end zone at all. Ivan Pace looked really, really good out there. Got a sack on Justin Fields. And realistically, the Vikings defense should have had about five sacks on Justin Fields. Tackling left a little bit to be desired. But having said all of that, you cannot put any of this loss on the defense the defense did its job. Brian Flores isn't working with the kind of talent that Mike Zimmer did when he had the Zim Reapers from 2015 to 2019. Yes, Daniil Hunter and DJ Wanham are a solid pair of pass rushers, and Ivan Pace, being an undrafted rookie, has exceeded expectations. And yes, the secondary is playing much better, sans that last dagger throw that set up the game-winning field goal. But at the end of it, this offense gave this defense no chance. No chance. The fact that we were even in that game is a testament to how well the defense played. Yeah, they gave up yards and yes, they could have gotten off the field a couple times. But I'm hearing too many people say, "Well, the defense let them down at the end." The Vikings offense got a touchdown and they got the lead and the defense couldn't hold it. That's preposterous. Let me put it to you this way. If the Vikings were up say, I don't know, 36 to 35 as an example, where points aren't at a premium like they were on Monday night football where the offenses are going up and down the field all game and defense is an afterthought defense is a rumor, as they say. Yeah. You could say, Hey, defense, get us one stop, please. The fact that they had only given up nine points through the first 58 minutes and only 12 points total on four field goals. No, that's not the same scenario. Yes. By the letter of the law, the defense had the lead and they gave it up, but not really. The offense scoring 10 points at home is ridiculous against the Chicago Bears. Yeah, they're a solid defense. They're a solid run defense. They're an okay pass defense. And, yeah, they're opportunistic. But realistically, this defense did its job again. The Vikings wasted a brilliant defensive performance. And I do say brilliant. 12 points is brilliant. I don't care who you're playing. Now, yeah, the defense went up against Justin Fields, who Kind of like the Lions are going to Lions. Justin Fields is going to Justin Fields. He had that game. He had it right there for the taking. And then he turns the ball over on back-to-back possessions. And you thinking, all right, we played like dog doo-doo this entire game, but we're going to pull this out. Defense got a turnover. We score. Defense gets another turnover. And what does the offense do? Squanders. We'll get to the offense here shortly. Bottom line is this. Brian Flores should absolutely be coordinator of the year. He's putting together a very above-average defense and doesn't have as many parts to work with as, say, the offense does. Now, I know, offense, we got injuries, this, that, and the third, whatever, it's not the point. The point is this. Defensively, you're right. It wasn't against Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. I get that. But for as many times as that offense put them right back on the field, three and outs here, turnovers there, That defense was gassed again, just like last week in Denver. They were gassed. 35 minutes time of possession for the Bears. What did you expect? What else could you have asked from this defense but what you got? I don't think you could have asked for anything more. Sheldon Day, my cousin. Okay, he's not really my cousin. He showed out. He had a couple of great stops. Got the fumble recovery. Daniil Hunter is an absolute man child. One and a half sacks. He now is triggered in his next million dollar bonus. He is going to get paid this offseason. And I really do hope it's by the Minnesota Vikings. I hope they don't say, well, Daniil Hunter, you've just priced yourself out of what we can afford. They can afford to keep Daniil Hunter. They just can't afford to keep Daniil Hunter and sign Justin Jefferson and Christian Derrissaw and bring back Kirk cousins. We'll talk about that a little bit here, too, with the uh, magic of Josh Dobbs wearing off. That's a whole nother conversation that has stirred itself up yet again. But all I'm going to say is I don't want to hear anybody tell me that the defense owns any part of this loss. It is unfortunate that they had a couple of big plays go against them. Like I said, that uh, drive that they were second and 27, you should have never allowed them to get a first down. That's ridiculous. That fourth and 10 where they left the tight end completely wide open who had blocked for the first five seconds of the play and then slipped out and absolutely nobody there to pick him up. Okay, that was bad the last play before the Bears basically kneeled down to kick the field goal to drain the clock and drain the Vikings with their timeouts. Yeah, that was bad. But if those are the only two real bad plays outside of some not-so-good tackling early on in the game, but ultimately holding the other team to field goals, no, we're not going to listen to anything bad being said about this defense. They're the only reason we didn't get blown out. If Justin Fields was halfway decent, we would have got mollywhopped, whopped if not for that defense. And again, I'm not saying that their performance deserves a a bust in the Hall of Fame. Talking about Justin Fields, talking about at home. But, no, the defense did its job. Brian Flores did his job. The real culprits of this game was the offense. Two entities in particular, the quarterback, who was absolutely atrocious, and, yeah, the head coach, who's also the play caller. I know. There's an offensive coordinator named Wes Phillips. He's a token coach. (laughs) He don't call the plays. He helps put the game plans together. But ultimately, the buck stops here with Kevin O'Connell. I'm going to start with Josh Dobbs. The magic carpet ride has ended. We'd all hope that maybe this magic carpet ride could be something along the lines of Case Keenum. Some others had said something ridiculous like, oh, maybe he could be like Jeff George or Randall Cunningham. Slow your roll. And uh, we've seen now why this guy has been on, what, five, seven teams in the last calendar year. There's nothing personal against the guy. He came in, lit a spark. He's the kind of quarterback that if your starter goes down for a week or two, you put him in there and hope to survive. But if you're asking him to carry you for the rest of the season because your quarterback is lost for the year, as is the case with Kirk Cousins, no, he doesn't have it. Now, I'm trying to understand what Kevin O'Connell was thinking, calling the plays he did. Now, that is not to say that everything bad was because of play calling. You watch the all 22, you do see there are plays where receivers are open and there were plays to be made that Josh Dobbs didn't make. But what I don't understand is why you're not moving Josh Dobbs around in the pocket. He's a mobile quarterback. Don't try and turn him into a passing quarterback. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Josh Dobbs, four interceptions, could have easily been five or six. Now, yeah, somewhere in his fall. The one that hit Jordan Addison in the hands, that's totally on Jordan Addison. Totally on Jordan Addison. But the rest of them, I'm sorry. He's just not very good. The pumpkin has turned into the carriage, as they say. (laughs) I mean, it's that simple. (laughs) There's nothing more complicated than that. You had the element of surprise in Atlanta because you had just traded for the guy. You know, he was barely in the building for a couple of days, and then game time comes around. You had somewhat of the element of surprise against the New Orleans Saints, but at halftime, they figured it out. They absolutely figured it out. And why they're trying to turn Josh Dobbs into a pocket passer. I'll never understand. Yes. You at some point have to find somewhere in the middle between what Josh Dobbs is good at, which is one read, two reads. All right, run versus, okay, you got to stand in the pocket. And I've given him credit for not immediately running when his first or second reads weren't there, but at some point you need to use his talents. There is a reason Lamar Jackson has designed running plays because he can do it. He has capability. And ultimately, Defenses can't always stop it. I'm not saying that Josh Jobs is Lamar Jackson. Of course not. But why don't you try some of those things? You know, this reminds me of the 2012 season when Adrian Peterson went for 2,000-some-odd yards, finished nine yards short of the rushing record. And the Vikings beat the Green Bay Packers on a walk-off field goal from Blair Walsh to go to the playoffs. They immediately played the Packers the next week. Christian Ponder had hurt himself in the Week 17 game against the Packers and was unavailable, so they had to start Joe Webb, who hadn't played at all. And for that first drive of the game, they ran the read option, and they were moving the ball up and down the field against the Packers. Ultimately, they had to settle for a field goal. For the rest of the game, Billy Musgrave, and his infinite wisdom, decided, you know what? I'm going to try to run pocket-passing plays with Joe Webb, who can't do that. That's exactly what Josh Dobbs has been asked to do. I understand you want to incorporate some of being a pocket passer, because you can't live and die with a mobile quarterback who just runs after taking and takes off after one or two reads. Yes, you've got to build upon the skill set. But going from just running all over the place, scrambling around, being the leading rusher for a team to we're hardly ever going to call any run plays for him. I get it. Maybe they were scared off by that dipsy doodle dumb butt play that they did in denver where they had tj hawkinson line up under center take the snap and then pitch it to dobbs okay yeah that was a dumb play call you weren't fooling anybody but that doesn't mean you can't call a quarterback draw once in a while that doesn't mean you can't call a rollout to one side or the other and if it's not there have him take off for five to seven yards you couldn't get anything going in the run game the run game was atrocious yesterday alexander madison was the best running back on the field for the Vikings. Ty Chandler did nothing. Four carries for eight yards. Woo-hoo. And I've been clamoring for him all week I've Been clamoring for him the last couple of weeks, as a matter of fact. Uh, yeah. Ty Chandler came back to earth as well. So you had nothing going in the running game of any consequence. Yeah. Alexander Madison had a couple of nice runs here and there. That's good. But at the end of the day, 10 carries for 52 yards. Okay. That's solid, but you didn't have much going on in the run game. So why in the world did Josh Dobbs only have two carries for 11 yards? And one of them wasn't even a design run. It was a, hey, I'm going to scramble. And I think they both were scrambles, actually. But I'm just saying the Josh Dobbs experiment is over. It was a nice run. I hope not too many of you bought Josh Dobbs jerseys, because as far as I am concerned, if Jared Mahomes Hall is ready after the bye week, you go with him for the last five games. I don't want to hear about Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins does nothing for me. Oh, well, we're six and six, and we can go three and two with Nick Mullins and probably get a wild card spot. Big deal. And then get killed by San Francisco. Or get killed by Detroit. That's a possibility too. It's one thing to get to the playoffs as the seven seed with Kirk Cousins and losing in the first round. That's a fail, that's a failure. You get there with Nick Mullins, whoop ding-dong. But you get there with Jared Mahomes Hall, who's a rookie, who you're looking to see if you've got something with him. I don't want to compare us to the Packers and the Bears, but that's exactly what they're doing right now. The Packers and the Bears are trying to figure out if they've got something with the guys that they drafted. Granted, they were first round picks and Jaron Hall was a fifth round pick. And I'm not going to read too much into that one drive that he had in Atlanta, but he did look good. And I'd like to see him get an opportunity. I've seen enough from Josh Dobbs to know he ain't got it. We know enough about Nick Mullins that we know he ain't got it. So why wouldn't we take these last five games and see what we got? And if he gets us to the playoffs, okay. That's something. It's not the same as it would be if it was Kirk. And yeah, the Kirk stands are out in full force scene, huh? See? You guys wanted to get rid of Kirk. Well, now we see what reality is in life without Kirk, okay? Yeah, maybe with Kirk Cousins we probably would have beat the Bears and most likely would have beaten the Broncos the way the game played out. Sure, we'd be 8 and 4 right now. And we'd be in the race for the division. And then the reasonable expectation is nothing short of the divisional round of the playoffs. But we can continue to look back and say, well, Kirk never had an offensive line worth a darn until this year. He never had a defense worth a darn until this year. Well, that's not true. He had one in 18 and 19. He's just never had both. And yes, Kirk was on fire. But Kirk ain't coming back. Kirk Cousins ain't walking through that door. Justin Jefferson, that's a different conversation. But my point is this. At the quarterback position, I want nothing more to do with Josh Dobbs, and I want nothing to do with Nick Mullins. Put Jaron Hall out there and see what we got. Because if we got something with him, well, then we know we don't have to take a quarterback in the first round next year. And if we don't have anything with him, we know we do. But there is no intrinsic value, short-term or long-term, of playing Nick Mullins, and there's absolutely zero value in any scenario playing Josh Jobs at this point, unless KOC is going to change his mindset. And I think we have enough empirical evidence to know that once KOC gets into a mindset, he pretty much stays there. I've quoted myself about Ed Donichell last year. I've quoted myself about Alexander Madison. KOC doesn't make changes unless his hand is absolutely forced. So all due respect to Josh Dobbs, great story, great human being, the whole astronaut bit. That's all well and good, but time for Josh Dobbs to take a seat on the bench. As far as Kevin O'Connell goes, I don't understand. As I've mentioned, you have a quarterback in Josh Dobbs, and you are not taking full advantage of his skill set, and it drives me crazy. I get it, as I said. You can't just rely on that. You at some point have to incorporate some level of pocket passing, but you don't have to go from zero to 60. You can marry the two. You really can. I don't understand his thought process of going for it on fourth and seven on our own side of the field. Yes, a better pass or a better route might have yielded a first down there. I don't mind the aggressiveness in a general sense, but that one might have been a little too aggressive. I don't understand why you're not getting – T.J. Hawkinson involved at all. He had five catches for 50 yards and that beautiful touchdown on six targets, but he had no catches in the first half whatsoever. Now, again, I know the first quarter they had one and a half minutes of time of possession, so there's a little something to be said there. And, yes, Josh Dobbs was turning the ball all over the place. He was off. The whole offense was completely out of sync. That looked like a preseason game at times. It was so bad. Kevin O'Connell, you are the head coach. You are the offensive coordinator. You are the offensive genius. You should be able to scheme a little bit. You did a halfway decent job. You had the element of surprise, so you had an advantage the first couple of games with Josh Jobs in there against the Falcons and the Saints. But I'm sorry, Kevin O'Connell, this game's on you. You should know at some point, all right, Josh just does not have it passing right now. I have got to find a way. The Bears were sitting on it. They were keeping him contained in the pocket. They absolutely cut off his escape routes. They pass rushed him pretty darn good. I'll say this, Brian O'Neill, not his best performance, to say the least. (laughs) We talk about this tackle tandem that we have, maybe one of the best in the league. Well, they weren't on Monday Night Football, that's for sure. Kevin O'Connell, you lost Justin Jefferson. You lost Kirk Cousins for the season. That is to be expected that things were not going to be perfect. But you've left money on the table. And I get it. It's not all play calling. Some of it is execution, but some of it is incumbent upon the head coach slash offensive coordinator to put the guys that are playing in a better position to succeed. And with all the respect, he didn't put Josh Jobs in a position to succeed. He just wanted to say, hey, he's been here for three weeks. He should have enough. Let's go. Let's go. Let's treat it like Kirk Cousins is still out there. Kirk Cousins ain't out there. He's just not. So it's kind of unfortunate. The Packers gifted you a victory against the Lions, And you had every opportunity these last two weeks to be at eight and four and right in the thick of things for the division. You're still in the playoffs. So all is not lost, but at the same time, you have had the opportunity to have a much bigger margin for error than you do. I said it on the Purple and Gold pregame show uh, prior to the start of the game that I wasn't worried about the Packers because I figured we were going to beat the Bears. Well, right now, the Packers are only a half game behind you. Now, yes, they do have a tough matchup uh, Sunday night football against the Kansas City Chiefs, so we'll mark that down as a loss. But then again, there's still only going to be a game behind us. Now, yeah, we do own the tiebreaker on them, and we do play them again, and ultimately we beat them again at home on New Year's Eve. We'll be able to stay ahead of them unless we completely fall apart. But Seattle lost. You had an opportunity. Again, if you were 8-4 and four right now, you'd be in the sixth seed, and you'd only be a half game behind the Dallas Cowboys for that coveted fifth seed. Because, again, the fifth seed is going to play either Atlanta or New Orleans, whoever wins that garbage NFC South division. You would be 8-4. and You'd only be a half game behind the Detroit Lions. So opportunity wasted last week was my theme on the uh, Skull for Day show Monday night uh, on Purple and Gold for Days. That's two weeks in a row you've had missed opportunities. And the biggest issue that I have with it more than anything is you missed opportunities against bad teams. The Chicago Bears are a bad team. The Chicago Bears are a bottom feeder. They're right there with Carolina, Arizona, Washington, the New York Giants, the Patriots, the Jets. They're bad. They're a bottom feeder, an absolute bottom feeder. And you let them come into our house and win a game because you couldn't score more than 10 points. (laughs) Opportunity miss. But moving forward, we still have an opportunity to get in this playoffs. We got a game against the Raiders and one against the Bengals without Joe Burrow. On paper, you should be able to beat both of those teams. I know they're both road games. We're not going to play at home again <laughs> until Christmas Eve. Okay. We played a home game on Monday night football, which is November 27. And we're not going to play another home game <laughs> until Christmas Eve because we got our buy and then those two road games. So, and maybe that's not the worst thing in the world because right now <laughs> the Vikings are not very good at home. I don't know what it is this season where our home record is just putrid, but yeah, you got to get those next two games. They are both must-win games. They're absolutely both must-win games. I'm not saying that the division is completely out of sync. It's it's on life support, though. It is absolutely on life support because you're going to be three games behind Detroit if they end up getting a victory this Sunday. And ultimately, that should be the expectation because, yeah, they've got the New Orleans Saints on the road. The Saints are a mediocre team, too. So maybe the Saints can get you back to within two games, in which case you control your own destiny again for the division. But at the same time, so many opportunities just gone. And I know it hasn't been the season we expected. It hasn't gone the way we thought it might. But you still had opportunities, and you still do. We still got everything in front of us. You went, You run off five in a row or you win four out of five of these last games after the bye week. Oh, yeah. Ten and seven, that'll definitely get you into the playoffs. As I said, I think Seattle is just going to fall off. And so uh, somebody on the radio today said that uh, they're predicting that three teams from the NFC Norris division will get into the playoffs. He said Detroit would win the division and that the Vikings and the Packers would get into the playoffs. I I don't know about that. (laughs) But when you really look at it, outside of the Dallas Cowboys, okay, so you got Philly, San Francisco, and Dallas, and then Detroit. Outside of that, you got mediocrity everywhere. The Falcons and the Saints are mediocre. One of those teams is going to win that garbage division. And then you got Seattle, Minnesota, and Green Bay. And, oh, by the way, the Rams are right there, too. Now, I don't think the Rams are much of a threat to anybody at this point. But moving forward, I think the best course of action, as I said, is to go back to Jaron Hall. He looked good in the second series that he got before he got concussed. He doesn't look as wild and as willy-nilly as Josh Dobbs did. And he's been in the building all season. So I think he's going to have a better grasp of the playbook. He's a little bit more accurate than Josh Dobbs is. He's not as accurate as Kirk Cousins, of course, and he does have the scrambling ability. So, yeah, I really do think that the best course of action is to go back to Jaron Hall. You bring back Justin Jefferson, go to Jaron Mahomes Hall, and let's see what we got for five games. Because like I said, I think if you win four out of five games, I think if you win three out of the five, you'll probably make the playoffs. If you win four out of five, you definitely do. And absolutely, if you win all five of your games, you've got a shot at getting that division. And if you win all five, like I said, you got a shot at that fifth seed. You got a shot. Programming notes. Real Forno Show, 6.05 Central Time today on Vikings First and Skull. I will be on live Thursday night at 815 on Purple and Gold for Days for my uh, Thursday talkers. Even though it is the bye week we're still putting out content. So if you have not already subscribed to Vikings First and Skull on the YouTube page, hit the subscribe button there and ring that notification bell so that you can see when we go live, whether it's two old bloggers or on game days, live at the two-minute warning. And again, hit that subscription button on purple and gold for days. I'm just a few away from 1,000. Vikings First and Skull is just a couple away from 2,000. Let's get those numbers up here, ladies and gentlemen. And if you are able to catch us live, we interact in our chats quite often with the people who are there. We absolutely love the loyalty and the support that has been given to both of our channels over the course of time since we've started them. So we want to say thank you so very, very much. Hope everybody had a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Hope you've got the food coma behind you. And like I said, this season ain't over. But some soul searching going to need to be done. But I think we can still make these playoffs. I want to thank you so very kindly for joining me today as i said hit the subscribe button on the youtube pages of vikings first and skull as well as purple and gold for days we will see you later on this evening 605 central time for the real forno show as well as tomorrow on purple and gold for days skull for days at 8 15 thursday talkers thanks as always for joining me and for now skull to the next episode You're listening to Purple and Gold for Days, a Vikings First and Skull production. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.